You can take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to be in verses 22 through 34, and I'll be reading out of the New King James translation this morning. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. We still got a good number of kids going to uh, Discover Church. This being uh, the fall break in the schools, we've got a, a huge number of people that are gone out of town this weekend, but uh, good to see we still got a good number of kids going to Discover Church this morning. Luke chapter 12 and verses 22 through 34. I want to kind of start off this morning with kind of doing a, a word association mind game with you this morning. You know, we have a tendency to kind of, when we hear something, our minds think about something. And I want to do that with months of the year. And we'll start out with one pretty easy. I'm going to call out a month of the year, and then I want you to kind of yell back to me what first comes to your mind, what you associate with that month. So I'm going to try one I think is pretty easy. Let's try this. December. Way to go. Who was on that? Uh, Lydia. She is, she is ready for Christmas. Is Wendy still in here? That girl is ready. Yeah. Let's try another one that I think should be pretty easy. How about November? Thanksgiving. That's right. Uh, January? New Year. Somebody said their birthday. Yeah, it was Brie. She's always thinking about herself first. <laughs> Just a little humor. And uh, how about February? Valentine's, somebody throw something else in there. And how about October? I heard a birthday and I heard lots of Halloweens. And uh, I want to throw one in there that I'm thinking would be a little bit tricky. How about April? I knew that one would be a little confusing there. I thought, you think of April, it could be April Fool's, it could be uh, Easter, it could be taxes. I think I heard all of those. But this morning, we're in October, right? And so I want to be in the month of October, kind of looking at things that relate to October, Halloween, scary. I want to preach on a series called Fear Not. Fear Not. But in this series, I want to kind of take the scary out so that we are not fearing, but we have Fear not. Fear is kind of a triplet that belongs to other siblings of worry and anxiety. The triplets are fear, worry, and anxiety. They have different names, but they all have the same DNA, which means they have the same makeup. And today I want us to really kind of focus on one of those triplets, and that is the worry aspect. If you were to ask a person that is worried about something, why they're worried or what they're really worried about, you usually will get a response that sounds something similar to this, and that is, well, I'm just afraid that. And then whatever they're worried about, they'll go on to say, you know, I'm just worried and I'm afraid that maybe they're going to have a wreck, or I'm afraid that I'm not going to pass the test, or I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough money. And so worry and fear and anxiety are triplets that have the same DNA, even though they have different names. And uh, if you were to, matter of fact, if you looked in Webster's Dictionary at the word worry and kind of seen what that definition was, there was something that you would find kind of unique, and that is that it comes from a German word. And the German word that we get the word worry from literally means, I want you to listen, means to strangle. The German word from which we get worry means to strangle. Now, does it give you a little idea of what worry really is? It strangles the life out of you. And so this morning, I want us to look at the scriptures in Luke chapter 12 and see what God's perspective of worry is. 
The Gallup, you know, a lot of times uh, they do a lot of surveys. The Gallup poll does a lot of surveys. And they did one of Americans, I think it was back in uh, 2018, about uh, worry and stress and about everyday life situations. And uh, I think it was about 150,000 people that they surveyed. And of that survey of Americans asking them, do you, have you recently experienced worry, stress, anxiety, those type of things that... 50% or more of them said that, yes, I've recently been feeling a sense of worry or anxiety or stress. And so it lets us know that in everyday life, people are experiencing this strangling of life out of them because they're worried, they're stressful. And yet if we look at Luke chapter 12, we see that Jesus has a different perspective. He says that we should not worry, that we should not fear, that we should not have anxiety. And when you look at it, you really come to a conclusion that's very clear in the Bible, and that is if we, God says that we should not have this worry and anxiety and fear in our life, we come to realize that what God said is true, and that is faith conquers fear. And so we're going to learn how to fear not and see God's perspective. There was a man, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of worry a lot, and there was a man named Steve that was talking to a preacher friend of his, and he was talking about how that he really has a struggle with worrying. He worried about a lot of things, just worry about whether they're going to have enough money or worry about this or that and so forth. And the preacher kind of looked at him and said, you know, Steve, he said, I can't really relate to you real well because I really don't worry about things. And to, worry, to that, Steve was kind of stunned, and he he looked at his preacher friend, and he said, well, that worries me that you don't worry about stuff. Kind of ironic, wasn't it? And to where the preacher said, you know, I just trust God. And then Steve responds back to him. He said, well, listen, I don't want you to think I don't trust God. I trust God. I just kind of sometimes worry about his decision-making process. Steve had a definite problem with worry, didn't he? Let's look at Luke chapter 12 and verses 22 through 34 and see about God's perspective, what the Lord has to say. The scripture we're looking at is written in red, and it's the Lord, after he's talked about the issues of a gentleman that had gained great wealth and he had decided he's going to build bigger barns and do all this stuff to store up all of his stuff, and he lost the reality about how important his soul was. And then to that, Jesus goes on to tell a story about not worrying about life and worrying about money and worrying about things and having anxiety. And here's what it says in Matthew, I mean, sorry, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. It says, then he, meaning Jesus, said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. And listen to this. Oh, how much more valuable are you than the birds? Notice that real emphasis. Oh, how much more. It's almost, as a matter of fact, we know in the scriptures that Jesus and God have a tendency to kind of put a double and triple emphasis on things. And so he's doing that in this scripture. Oh, how much more valuable you are than the birds. Verse 25 says, And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? And so the Bible is letting us know, yes, you are much more valuable in God's eyes. And if you worry, you're not going to be able to change anything. 
That's basically what he's trying to get across in that verse 25. Worrying can't add one cubit to your stature. It can't change anything. And verse 26 says, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies. We've talked about the birds, so he said, let's talk about the lilies. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet... I say to you, even Solomon, all of his glory, and remember Solomon was considered one of the wisest kings and one of the wealthiest kings in the history of Israel. And it says, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Notice in that verse 28 at the end, Jesus kind of comes to the summary and he said, here's the problem. You just got such little faith in. And that's really what I think God wants to see today, today, and that is to have faith, at least a little, to have faith. Go on to verse 29. It says, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. See how he weaves all in here about the worry and the anxiety, and he'll even mention fear. It's those triplets, siblings that are there. Verse 33, or verse 30 says this, For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. And remember he said up there earlier, he said, Worrying cannot add one cubit to your stature, so it's not going to change anything. Worrying won't do that. But he says here in the, this verse 31, Seek the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. So he's changing a mind perspective. And that is, if you worry about stuff, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to make things better. Matter of fact, worry usually makes things worse, doesn't it? When we're worrying, we usually get a little nervous. Our mind doesn't think clearly, and things are usually turn out worse. But he says, here, get your mind off of the worry. Get your mind on kingdom of God things, godly things, and then just let God add all these things to you. Verse 32 is where he throws that triplet in there about fear. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I mentioned to you the story about Steve that was worried about the preacher who didn't worry about things. And he came to this conclusion. He said, you know, it's really not that I don't trust God. It's just, I'm just kind of worried about how God has his process of making decisions. I'm just worried about how God processes and how he's making these decisions. Well, I think there's some truths that we need to understand about God so that we can have faith. Remember, faith conquers fear. And I think in these scriptures, one of the things that I think we really need to have as the core of what we need to understand about God and his decision-making process so that we have faith and we fear not, and that is this. God is conscientious of all our needs. In verse 30, it makes mention that the Father knows what you have need of. And the way it's worded there is that God is totally conscientious about every single one of us and what our needs are. He's well aware of it. So it doesn't make any difference to say, hey, God, do you know what's happening in Brett's life and what he needs? Sure, he knows that. Do you know about Danny, what's happening in his life and what his needs? Yeah, God knows about that. How about Rhonda? Does God know about Rhonda and what's happening in her life, what she needs? Absolutely. 
God knows about it for every one of us. He knows it before we even mention it to him. And so he's well aware of the needs in our life. Nothing escapes God's attention. We were having, I felt like personally, I was having a good time in our life in the word class this morning as we were talking about God's will and God's perspective and how, how much knowledge and wisdom and how that you can't really fathom how God is and how he knows and understands things. And we kind of come to a conclusion, I think it was the movie Evan Almighty where uh, Jim Carrey kind of got the opportunity to kind of be like God for a while. And part of what he was experiencing, if we're thinking right, was he got to be like God hearing all the prayers of everybody and how that they just wham. And he was going like, oh, I can't stand this. Ah. But yet God is no problem. We can't fathom, we cannot comprehend God being conscientious of every single thing that goes on in our life, and yet the Bible tells us over and over and over that he does know that. He's well aware of everything. Matter of fact, the Bible even uses that, just like uh, Jesus was talking about the birds of the air and talking about the lilies and the grass and all that stuff. He used the illustration that the Lord or God knows all about even the very hairs on our head. He knows what color they are. He knows how many hairs we've got or how many hairs we don't have and how many we've lost recently. I know a lot about that. It seems to be getting thinner and thinner up there. God is conscientious of every aspect of our life. And you know, you can kind of relate that, I think, most likely, most closely, you might say, to like a parent is to children and grandchildren. We, we have a lot of tendency to kind of know what our kids or grandkids need before they ever ask about it. Matter of fact, yesterday morning, uh, early in the morning after we got up, I saw Joyce getting out her uh, iPad that she uses for the music. And so kind of caught my attention that she was getting that out. And then I heard her say, oh, I must have left my charger at the church Wednesday. And then she went on to say that Noah and G will be coming over tonight. And I'm pretty sure G is going to want to play with my iPad. And so I wanted to make sure it was charged up. Now, Gia had not said that she was going to ask about the iPad, but Joyce, Meemaw, was conscientious enough to know my granddaughter's coming over. She likes to play with my iPad. I need to have it charged up and ready. That's kind of what the Bible is letting us know in this verse 30, and that is God is conscientious of our needs in our life. So have faith at least a little bit. Don't worry, don't be anxious. Don't fear about the things that are happening in your life because God is conscientious of those things that are happening and he knows what your needs are. Nothing is going to escape him. The second principle I think that we need to understand to have this faith instead of having fear and worry is understanding this. God is not only conscientious of all of our needs, but also God cares about us personally. That verse 24 that I read, it says, how much more valuable than you are than the birds. The Bible is letting us know of all of God's creation, we are the ones that he sees as the most valuable. We are the ones that he sees as human beings that is the greatest of his creation. And if he cares about the birds, basically the Bible's saying, you are much more cared about than they are. Matter of fact, if we were to go to Genesis, and we studied in the Bible about the Genesis and how that God created the world and how that he created the different aspects on the different days. And he said, it is good. Have you, have you read that before in the Bible? 
Okay, some of you are not shaking your head. You need to start this week, Genesis, start reading. But as he created the world, each day he created some aspect of it, and he said, it is good. And then when God created man, things changed a little bit. Here he had been doing creation, day one, creation, it is good. Day two, creation is good. Day three, it is good. Day four, it is good. He's going on like that. And then he creates man, and he says, it is very good. So from the very beginning of creation through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and into the book of Revelations, where for those of us who have accepted Christ is our heavenly home, all woven in through there is the fact that God cares about us personally and that we are his most valuable possession. We are his most valuable creation. He cares much more about us And so if God's taking care of the birds and he's taking care of the lilies in the fields and he's taking care of the grass, he definitely cares enough about me and you to take care of us. So why worry? We understand that he's already conscientious about our needs, so he knows that. Now, as I say that about being conscientious of our needs, don't let that take away from talking to him because he wants to talk to you. It's very evident going back to Genesis that when Adam and Eve sinned and they hid themselves, the Bible says that God came through the garden looking for them and he said, where are you? God is always looking and listening to hear from us, even though he knows all about it. When we see that in Genesis and where God said, where are you? I'm going to be honest with you, God already knew where they was and he already knew what had happened, but he wanted to talk to them. He's always looking and listening for us. So God is conscientious about all of our needs and God cares about us personally But the third thing I want you to understand is that God is capable of providing all of our needs. Not only is God conscientious about it, and not only does he care about us personally, but he is capable of providing for all our needs. Now, the difference there is I can tell you this morning that I know about some needs in our church, and I can tell you I care about you, but I am not capable of taking care of everybody's needs in the church. That is not true when it comes to God. God is capable of meeting all of our needs. And if you look at that verse 28, here's what the Bible tells us. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more, and there's that real emphasis, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? So it's letting us know that if God can do that in all of creation and you are more valuable, don't think, okay, God's already wasted all of his resources on the birds and the lilies and the flowers and the grass, and so he don't have any resources left for me. He don't have any time for me. No, remember, you are much more valuable. I told you about Joyce having that iPad, so she she borrowed my charger, and she got that iPad charged up and had it ready. Joyce had a lot of responsibilities yesterday. But when it came to grandkid time, she had time for them. That's the way God is for us. He's always taking care of all of his creation. But when it comes to me and you, when it comes to Kimberly and Sally, when it comes to Michael and Kobe, when it comes to Nita, guess what? He's still holding things back for you. It's kind of like he's got it in the bank, just waiting for that time when you're going to connect with him. 
God is capable of providing all your needs. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Philippians 4.19. Here's what it says. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Which means God's going to supply all your needs and he's pretty rich. He's pretty loaded. He's got everything that he can that we might need in our life, and it says that he's going to supply all of our needs out of his riches. It's not that God's going to say, okay, well, let's, let's get all the folks together at Temple Baptist and let's pool our stuff together and see how we can meet each other's needs. No, he said, I, I got everything that is needed to take care of every need in your life. God is capable of providing all your needs. Now, here's what I, this is my fourth final point. It's what I call the cherry on top of the ice cream. Now, some of you are used to being the cherry on the cake, but I like ice cream better than cake. I like cake, but I really like ice cream. And I like cherry ice cream. So here's the cherry that's on the top of it all. To get you beyond worry and anxiety and fear, to get you to the point of having faith, just a little bit of faith that will conquer that worry and that fear and that anxiousness so that you know and that you can trust God. And that is this. God considers it Listen to me. Are you listening? Say amen. God considers it a pleasure to provide for us. Would you say amen to that? Most of us are saying amen. Now, I have seen some people that, you know, you can travel around in, just in Dalton and you're going to encounter people that are asking for help on the streets, at the Walmart, different places. And I have seen people that have helped people, and I've seen people who haven't helped people. And I have seen people that have helped like this. Here. Wasn't much pleasure. They kind of felt like they were getting it off their conscience. I'm not going to walk by you and not help you. But there wasn't a lot of pleasure in it. God doesn't say, okay, here's your new car. God doesn't say, okay, here's a way of paying that bill. Don't bug me anymore. That's not where God is. I want you to look at verse 32 with me. If you hadn't looked at any other verses, look at this verse 32 with me. Because remember, it's cherry on top of the ice cream. Do not fear, little flock. For it is your father's, what does it say there? Good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I have looked through the Bible in several different instances. And you can say, well, Brett, that says that it's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So maybe he's not talking about really meeting our everyday needs of life on this earth. He's just talking about it's his pleasure to allow you to get into heaven, but don't ask for anything else. But yet the Bible, as I've read through it, it talks about how that we as earthly fathers like to give good things to our children. And it says, if we who are evil, man, that was stabbing the heart, wasn't it, right there? If we who are evil, which means are sinful people who are not right in the center of God's will, if we want to give our children good things, how much more, there's that double and triple emphasis, isn't it? How much more does our heavenly father want to give good things to us. So it makes no difference whether you look at this verse 32 or you look at other verses of the Bible. The Bible is making it very clear to you and I that God considers it a pleasure to provide for us. Now, some people need a little extra work from God than others. 
But God considers it a pleasure to provide for our needs in our life. And so I look at that. Remember, the Bible's telling us, don't fear. Don't have worry. Don't have anxiety. And especially don't be like Steve who worries about people who don't worry. Don't be a worry wart. But the Bible is bringing us to a conclusion to have faith at least, a, at least a little because God's got this. No matter what your needs are, he's conscientious of all your needs. He cares about you personally. He is capable of providing all your needs. And he considers it a pleasure to do it, to take care of you. Don't you enjoy doing something for somebody that you love? I love to do things for my kids, my grandkids. I love to do things for my wife. We got, uh, I don't know about your house, but uh, Joyce and I, we have six grandkids that like to come and play. So in our garage, there used to be two garage spaces, one for Joyce's uh, van and one for my truck. Now there's a space for Joyce's van and uh, battery-operated four-wheelers, BMWs, uh, red uh, convertibles, uh, bicycles. <laughs> you kind of get the point? Grandkids kind of have this spot. And so the last day, I knew they was going to be coming over to our house today. And you know what I've been doing? Charging up vehicles. Because I know that if they come over and they jump in one and they take off and they go, GG, this thing's not going, the battery's dead. They're not going to have good pleasure, are they? So I want them to be able to jump on those things and take off riding. And I want to see their smiles. Those that, you know, as the kids have grown up, it's always the youngest ones that kind of follow behind, that kind of get you, kind of attached to you more. And as they get older, they kind of do their own thing. Right now, that's Asa. He'll jump on that four-wheeler. And when he gives it the gas, he automatically looks back smiling. And then he runs into one of his other brothers or sister. We ain't caught broke him into. You can't look backwards and go forward. But it's good pleasure to do that. When we love somebody, we consider it a pleasure. I love to do things for my wife. Gives me good pleasure. To be able to meet a need and feel like I've done something that maybe she'll feel happy about. We love to do that. And that's the way God is. He takes it as good pleasure to meet our needs. So here's the question we got to come to. And I want to tell you this. Remember, he's telling us, don't fear, don't have worry, don't have anxiety. And one of the things that you may have seen on the sign as you came in this morning, I hope, tells us that fear imprisons us. When we worry about life, fear imprisons us. But faith empowers us. So fear will imprison you to worry about the things of life, and faith will empower you to enjoy the things of life. So which one do you choose? You want to have fear and let it imprison you to worry about the things of life? Or do you want to have faith and let it empower you to enjoy life? Which one do you choose? I choose to fear not, worry not, and be anxious for nothing. By the way, that's biblical. Lord, we come to you this morning. And God, I don't know where everybody is in their life. But on this month of October, we think of Halloween and of scary things that give us fear. But you said to fear not, to worry not, to be anxious for nothing. And so, God, I don't know where everybody is in their life. Some may be worrying about some things that are kind of like Steve. 
They worry about stuff so much that they even worry about people who don't worry about things. Lord, I just pray, God, that for someone here today that's got some worries about things of life, may they be reminded that you're conscientious about all their needs. And Lord, not only are you conscientious about it, you care about them. They are the most valuable creation. They're part of humans that you created to walk in fellowship with you. Lord, may they be reminded that you are very capable of meeting all their needs because you have the riches of glory to meet all of our needs. And Lord, I just really love that last part, that you take good pleasure in meeting our needs. So Lord, I pray, God, that you'd encourage somebody to fear not, but to have faith. And let faith conquer fear and worry and anxiety because they're triplets. They got the same, they got different names with the same DNA. And Lord, I pray, God, that you set somebody free from fear and anxiety and worry. Lord, I pray that you put them on the faith trail where they can fear not. Lord, that they would not have fear that is imprisoning them to worry about the things of life, but they would have faith that is empowering them to enjoy life. And Lord, I know that in some people's mind that's got some worry, anxiety, stress, things that are on their mind, fear, fear that's consuming them. It can be, well, you know, that's easy to say when you're not in the midst of it. But Lord, I've seen that you said, oh, you have little faith multiple times in the Bible. And faith conquers fear. So we got to get to a point of faith, of trusting you, believing in you, following you. And Lord, when we have that faith, it will conquer the fear that we feel. So God, my prayer is for this morning, for somebody who's having worry, anxiety, stress, fear in their life. It's causing them to worry about the things of life that is imprisoning them. God, I pray you set them free with some faith that will empower them so they can enjoy life. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.